Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast, your go-to source for insights and strategies in the HVAC, plumbing, and roofing industries. I'm Corey Barrier, here to guide you through transformative approaches to business and mindset. Each episode will explore unique methods, focusing on identifying and addressing the core challenges in your field. Our goal is to equip you and your team with practical solutions that foster growth and success. So whether you're tuning in for the first time or you're a longtime listener, get ready to dive into a wealth of knowledge and expertise. Let's begin our journey to success together. This is the successful life. It's Corey Barrier. Yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn. Apply it to your life. It's your turn. To live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Three, two. Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Barrier, and I'm here with Neil Conlon. And Neil, so I met Neil, uh, sort of, basically met Neil last November when, if I'm not, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is when both of our lives kind of took a turn for growth, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And and so Neil was in. Neil went to see Tony Robbins at the same time that I did, and and I think I can speak for myself. It changed my whole life, and I would say that that's probably fairly accurate for Neil as well. Um, so Neil also he uh, is a, is a uh, former Marine, so he's a vet. A vet. He's a press forward project is a uh, project he's working on, which he's going to talk about a little bit. And then he is also, what do you call it? You're, I say, you work, work, you run a company that does cybersecurity. Did I say that right? Yeah, I think that's the best way to, uh, to, to, to intro it. Absolutely. Okay, perfect. So um, with all that said, Neil, welcome and let's rock and roll. Let's hear all about who you are. By the way, Neil's on his fifth day of fasting, by the way, with no food whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, well, uh, first and foremost, uh, really appreciate uh, the relationship that we have. Uh, we were both at Tony Robbins last year, um, both followed each other on social media after that. And uh, I was just saying to a really good friend of mine the other day, you know, if you went back a couple of years ago, you know, people would say, oh, well, uh, you know, don't pay attention. You think you have all these friends on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever it is. And it's interesting because the landscape has really changed, especially if you're in like a certain tribe of people, right, where you can actually connect with somebody, right, in a, in a very meaningful way, stay in touch with them and actually bond, you know, and build a legitimate relationship that leads up to maybe it's not the time for us to work or partner or collaborate in this thing now, but you know what, this guy or this girl or this kid is posting is very like-minded to me. And therefore I'm going to follow those people. And, you know, I, I know we're both huge. We f- both follow and interact with the same communities. And it's like, you know, if you're focused on growth and building a company, you know, and some of the other content that's out there says, you know, get rid of the high school friends off of your feeds and get rid of the people who are not supporting you. And then really hone it into those people that, you know, 
you can have a meaningful relationship with. Um, I mean, you and I have both seen the outcomes of what that's like. And it's like, I don't need to see you, you know, come and ask me how I'm doing. But like I posted the other day and, and you, you and I agreed, it was like, I want to build a tribe of people who are going to hold me accountable for the shit that I say I'm going to do that, I, that they can come to me and they're going to, and they're going to, they're going to, I can hold them accountable. They're going to hold me accountable. And then on top of it, if I need support or help, you know, they're going to throw everything they can at me, you know, because, you know, we all got to build each other up and co-elevate a little bit. So, uh, so thank totally you for having right. me on the podcast first and foremost. Oh, you're very welcome. And so, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that, you know, how the landscape changed because you're right, because it used to be that, you know, uh, and really maybe even still to this day to an extent with the fa- with Facebook, because I, I guess I relate it to it being that, you know, people you don't really know or ever will meet. But like you said, it's changed. It's, you know, it's all about what you put out. If you put out good shit and if you put out positive stuff, if you put out or you put out the fact that you're having a really fucked up day that and you get those people that understand you and and support you. And it's crazy how we've built this community. And I say that in a general sense, you know, whether it be Tony or Robbins or or Arte or whatever, it's all everybody in these groups, for the most part, I won't say everybody, but I would say 95% are in this to do something good for somebody else. And that's the crazy thing. I mean, to me, it's just incredible because it's an era that this country has not seen in a long time. And these groups of people are getting bigger and it's actually doing good for people. And I'm super excited to be part of, you know, of Arte and, and then, you know, connected with people with Tony. I mean, it's just, you just know you're dealing with somebody most of the time. that's a pretty good person. They have good intentions. Right. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one quick thing and then I'll give you a, a little bit of the background here. So folks can understand where this all stems from, but there has been at least eight times this year that somebody that I've never met in person that I just know through either the Arate Syndicate or through Tony Robbins Network or some other network that I'm affiliated with. I've talked to them, connected with them, had a conversation with them, and they said, you know what, anytime you want to come to my house or, you know what, we should brainstorm. When can you come to my house? Or the next time you're in Dallas, stop by my house. Or when can I come to your house? And there's been eight times this year that I've done it where – I've, I've planned and been like, you know what? I see value in us spending time together. Um, next month, I'm coming for two or three days. So, somebody from Tony Robbins Network, I had a phone call with a couple of days ago because I did go back and see Tony uh, just two weeks ago. And the woman was like, uh, so why don't you find two days in your schedule and just come down and stay with me for two days, right? And we live in this amazing world where it's like, it's amazing, right? Some people are so focused on all the negative things, but we live in this amazing world where a woman who doesn't know me from, from anything other than we've, we've had some exchange from social media posts uh, in, in a business capacity, just to be Trent, you know, honest, uh, has said, just come to my house and come stay with me. Right. I mean, like the, 97% of the planet would not do that. No, you're right. I totally agree. 
Totally agree. Right? But there's a bond. There's a trust. There's there's a connection that you know. Like Andy says, if you know, you know. Right. You know, right. and and it's 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 unreal. I've built this network for me, my network, literally because I connected with people that had an Arte shirt on because I wanted to be a part of their circle. And mm-hmm. my my one of my business partners, I you know, I met him the first time at Arte Live, but you know, him and I have created several things now and it was simply because we collaborated and did an Instagram live because we'd never done one together. We'd never done yeah. one period uh, as far as two people. And so that's how the ball got rolling. And another guy, I'll just quickly tell you, uh, Chris Saunders, I reached out to him. Well, fuck, he lives in Raleigh where I live. So he was like, <laughs> why don't you just go ahead and stop by my office? And I'm like, really? Like, and so that's how this whole thing got rolling with Arte with Vid. So it's just been, it's been really amazing. It really has. And until you've experienced it, you're never going to understand it. Right. Right. And and I think, you know, one thing that's interesting, and I'll I'll use this as a good segue for us to talk about, uh, you know, a little bit about my entrepreneur journey is, you know, I I grew up in a divorced household. Uh, There was drugs and alcohol in in the family history of it. A uh, little bit. Dis- first time was called disruptive. I was eight. It's obviously never changed, um, but at at the time it was not a positive thing, right? So I go through this sordid troublemaker uh, growing up. Uh, turned eighteen, joined the Marines, uh, signed up on my own. Would then spend a bunch of years in the Marines uh, in the nineties into the two thousands. So pre and post uh, 9-11. Um, Lots of time in the Middle East, lots of time on aircraft carriers, doing all the cool things that are in the military videos, some cool, some not so cool, right? Uh, and there's an interesting thing about being a veteran where the way that I have I summarize it is if you are training to be an Olympic athlete, right, you're training your whole entire life just for one week or two weeks or whatever it is. Right. 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 And you, and you are, you are, you need to be in the peak mental state, peak performance state. Um, but you've only got to do it for one week or two weeks or whatever it is. After that, you can eat all the donuts and do whatever you want. And, but you mentally have it in your head. I only got to be my best for this one, two, three events, whatever it is. Right. Right. Now, military guys, you join the military, you join the world's number one largest, best military in the world. And for the entire duration that you serve, you are told you are the best of the best of the best. You're 1% of the planet. There's no one better for you. And you have to operate in the peak mental and peak physical performance for that entire span of time. And you are constantly being pressured to exceed that, right? So with an Olympian, there's a benchmark. I only got to beat a three-minute mile or I only got to beat this. So there's a benchmark of achievement. Once you get there, it's mapped out. Military veterans are told, you're the best. You're going to be best. You got to get better. You got to be ready to go. You got to be better. You got to be ready to go. And this is your commitment. And then when the government is done with that, well, you're done with your service, um, no one tells you that anymore. Hmm. And I really think that that's the root of PTSD is not so much, not so much 
that, you know, it's not so much that it's, it's, it's obviously if you encounter lots of stress and everything else, but it's like, guess what? I was told for years that there was nobody fucking better than me on the fucking planet. And then they go, all right. And it's not the government's fault. It's just, it's the, it's when you take the oath, the, the, the government promises you the opportunity to serve your country. That is the only thing in the contract that the government promises you. And you commit to a life of service to fulfill that, that contract. Right. So serves the military came out, needed time to figure out what that actually means. Uh, had some really amazing people take me underneath their wings. I worked at big corporate companies in entry level capacities. Uh, became interested in data and technology and became pretty technical, started doing my, doing my own coding uh, and engineering stuff at night. I'd work my corporate jobs. Uh, come to 2009, I was working at a big investment bank, making lots of money had all the cool suits, all the things. My ego was through the fucking roof. Um, I came back from the Philippines from a, from a business trip, uh, handed in my, my expense report, and uh, my boss handed me my pink slip in the same conversation. Um, and, he, and at that point, I had made it to that point by lying, cheating, stealing, and pushing my way into all those positions, right? Because the Marines, especially, but military guys, you want us to move forward, we're going to move forward. So let's, let's pause there for just a second. Okay, so the, you, you went, came back from the Philippines, and you said that you were, you know, you kind of lied to your way into all those positions, that being one of them. Is that what you mean by that? Yep. So why do you, what, I mean, when you say that, what do you mean? Right. So, so I, I think there's this, uh, you know, in the corporate, there's a, there's a, there is a hard transition for military guys when we take a military resume, for example, and try to transition it into corporate speak, right? Okay. And, and so um, now military guys come out of, or military guys and gals come out of the military with strategic values, discipline, the ability to plan, resilience, fortitude, all these things that at the time were non-transferable words into uh, resumes, right? So, you know, the way that I had built up my career at that point was like, you know, I'd work, you know, 10 hours a day, 11 hours a day, 12 hours a day in the office, right? I'd be in a meeting and not understand some of the terminology they'd be using. I'd spend, you know, four hours at night, Yahoo, Googling, and then come into the meeting next day and be like, sure, I can tell you all about is the negotiations. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Because I made so, my notes and I did my homework, right? Yeah. And, and, and then the reality is, is that in, cor- in corporate world, I mean like big corporate world, right? I mean like I was working with big investment banks, hedge funds, real estate organizations, biggest in the world. If you look at my LinkedIn and see the companies that I've worked with, I mean like I really got super lucky in the world of the veteran, in the veteran world that I was eight, but the way I was able to do it was to say, was just work a lot harder than anyone else would not because the job required it, but because it was me catching up. Right. Um, so then in 2009, because I didn't have the certifications, didn't have the college degree at the time, didn't have all of the traditional badges of success. Um, you know, the economy was so bad. Nobody would hire me. Nobody would hire me. And, you know, I, I, I showed up with a little bit of ego 
said, look at all the things I've done in such a short span of time. And they'd be like, well, do you have this? this? Do you have a project management certification? No. Do you have a, a scrum certification? No. Do you have this? I was doing all these very technical, smart things, but it was all just stuff I learned in my basement, right? So, and, um, so do you tip, let me just pause you for a second. So lots of times I feel like sure. you know, with, with entrepreneurs, we, um, we don't have to go by the same guidelines, right? So those, all those certifications, because you were in corporate America, it was something that at the time they required because it was just part of the curriculum, so to speak, right? It was just part of the job description. Right. And yeah, they had to check right. off the boxes. And since you didn't check off the boxes, you didn't qualify. How would, do you think those times have changed at all now? Does that make sense? In other words, uh, I think, go ahead. I, I, I think that they have, they have altered and become different. But if you want to work in the big traditional corporate uh, companies, right, they have, they have certain boxes they need to check in order to facilitate. And it's a cultural thing. It's 100% a cultural thing. Now, I think that, that the world has shifted so much in that, like, and, and, and in that you don't need those corporate jobs anymore. And they also, post-2010, really don't have the value that they used to have to your resume or to yourself. Sure. So, so you know, for, for, for 2009 to 2010, um, I would end up being unemployed for a full year. Uh, would go into bankruptcy. Um, what I would do is, is that I would get up in the morning. I had my iPod click wheel at the time. Um, I would run, go out, my, go out of my house, run until the music ran out. And then I would run home because I was going nuts. The fact that no one would hire me. I was like, what, what I was, what, I was like, what am I doing wrong here? What am I doing wrong here? And, um, and I got to a point where I could do 16 miles a day. I was doing it five or six days a week. Um, then I would job search every single day. And I was just driving myself nuts to this day. Right. And that's uh, eight, nine years ago. It was, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. It was this, it was one of my first resets to be like, to make it that this wasn't about me. This was about the ecosystem. Right. And so finally a company uh, takes me on a uh, little small company, built it still on the technical side, built it to a certain point then shifted onto the business development side, then built the company at a certain point, then did an exit from that company, uh, which was an amazing opportunity. And that gave me a window to where I sat back and, and was able to reset myself. And I thought, you know, what was the thing that actually got me here, right to this point? Like, what was, what was the thing that really, uh, if you want to use the word 10X, you know, like a Grant Cardone says, what was the thing that got me to, to explode. And when I did a retrospective over that, what I realized is that when I was unemployed, I was meeting so many people, right? I met hundreds of people, right? Some of them were jobs, uh, job interviews. Some of them were just, Hey, let's get coffee. And what I realized now that I didn't realize at the time is that this was the infancy of building my community and building my network. And so at that point I said, well, there's, let's not let's stop let's not stop doing that like let, let's we know what that is don't stop doing that 
And so from that point on, for the next couple of years, even when I was running other businesses, or I, and to this day, to this day, uh, meet for people for coffee like 10 or 15 times a week. Like I will stay up and I will do phone calls with New Zealand and meet entrepreneurs in New Zealand. It's like the more people that you can touch, right? And this is how, like the more people you can curate, it's like if you're starting a t-shirt line, if you're selling coffee cups, if you're selling any product, the hard part is the, uh, the, the is, is none of the pieces, right? The customer experience is not hard any longer. The platform is not easy, hard any longer. Um, you know, the, the, the cost of acquisition of a customer is super expensive. But guess what? If you spend a year, you spend a year or two just meeting people, like I, I challenge anybody to do this. You spend a whole year or two just meeting people, meet the kids coming out of college, meet the older people who are in retirement, meet moms, meet dads, you know, uh, get involved in your B&Y, the B&I, get involved in your church and then launch a coffee company and then launch a t-shirt line or whatever it is, you're caught, you're going to have revenue coming in a lot sooner. And, but in, and I realized because you've got fans, You've got, as Tony says, you've got raving fans at that point that love Neil and they'll buy whatever the hell Neil's selling or doing because they want to support you. Attention contractors of the Successful Life podcast. Want to supercharge your business decisions? We've got something just for you. Head over to our website, SuccessfulLifePodcast.com and click on the free download button to grab your copy of Warning When Hiring a Leadership Coach. Equip yourself with the insights you need to make informed decisions for your business. Don't miss out. Yep. Yeah, and, and, and social media, right, just changes that, right? So it's like, um, it's like, let's just say you open up a restaurant, right? A good example. And uh, I think Gary Vee was talking about this last week. You open up a restaurant in a local community and when everybody comes in at first, you know, you give them free coupons, you give them whatever. Well, the reality is, is that it takes three or four times for you to adopt a customer, right? Like truly adopt them is like, they love you. They're going to come back. Right. So you build this community and then you layer the social media aspects of it on top of it. And then, like, I think this is a thing that big, big influencers give up on because they just don't have the time to do it. And I love doing this. It's like, Neil meets, Neil meets Corey, right? We spend time getting to know each other on social media. We do a podcast. Neil then posts the podcast on, uh, on his social media channels. He says, hey, check out Corey and the podcast we did. Uh, do me a favor. Share this with people that you think this would resonate with. And if you think you should be on Corey's podcast, hit him up, right? That costs like 30 seconds and 30 cents. Right. That's a clever idea, actually. And people still want to spend $4 a click on Facebook advertising campaigns. You think it's laziness? It's, it's, it's laziness. It's, I think it's a little bit of laziness. It's a little bit of the unknown. And, you know, everybody on, on social media is either I, I label them as they're either producers of content or consumers of content. And I'd say 90% of the people that are on the internet like are consuming your content and they're not even their mindset is not let me engage and be part of the conversation. Right. They're people in the crowd. Right? Yeah, for sure. Not everybody, not everybody wants to be a contributor. 
Right. Yeah, that's for sure. That is for sure. So one thing I was going to say, um, well, the thought escaped me. Um, you said something that really triggered a uh, thought, but it'll come back to me. So, all right. So, um, so tell me what exactly is cyber security? What, you know, you know, Actually, you know what? We can go there in a moment. I actually really like where this conversation is going. I really wish I could remember what the hell it was I was going to say. Um, <laughs> come back to oh, I know what it is. Okay. So if you remember as a child, we were never told, you were always told as a child, don't talk to strangers, correct? Right. There right. was never a time that your parents said to you, it's okay to talk to strangers. So I feel like subconsciously that we've all been programmed as a small child not to talk to strangers. And I think that's why people have a hard time meeting other people is because I believe subconsciously it, there's a program that's saying don't talk to strangers. Right. Right. I, I think absolutely. Absolutely. That's true. And I think that if you went back, there's, there's tons of stuff on the internet about what I'm about to say. So it's like, if you went back six years ago, and said, hey, we're building this mobile application where I put my daughter into a car with a complete stranger and he drops her off somewhere, people would say, you're crazy. Yeah. And Uber has a net worth of like $60 billion or something. That's crushed it. But, but, but think about how the social culture has changed to where we put, and this is probably a good segue into cybersecurity, we put ultimate trust in the ability for this device that we're talking on yes. to complete a sequence of events that makes us feel comfortable enough to put our children and people do it or ourselves in cars with people we don't know. Which is bizarre now that you say it that way. Right? Yes. And, and, and the fundamental is, is, is so to, to, to segue this into cybersecurity, you know, what, what I, the way that I explain cybersecurity and some of the things we need to think about is every single person listening to this podcast uh, with a YouTube video um, and the right tools uh, could, can fix any piece of their car today, right? Sure. You need to change a spark plug, you need to change brakes, change oil, even change computer chips. There's a video for it online the right tools you watch it enough you could do it right the reason for that it the reason for that is is because we know exactly what is underneath the hood of the car right right now this this device that we're using today there is not one i'd say there is a very very small percentage of the world that even understands or has taken the time to understand what is underneath the hood of the device that we put our credit card, our children's names, our blood types, our social security numbers, um, any of that stuff into on a daily recurring basis. Very right? good point. Very good point. So when, you know, somebody finds out that I've been playing Candy Crush for 12 hours a week for the past six months and Candy Crush is selling my data and they're mind boggled by it, right? That's, that's a user problem, right? Mm. Right. To expect that anything 
that I can do 12 hours a week, even if I'm sitting on my ass, has no repercussions and is completely free and they're not making money off of it in some way and there's not a risk to you there is you just not paying attention. Right. So we'll break it down to somebody who would not know that. Let's just take that exact scenario. People play yep. games on phones all the time. What is the harm in playing a free game? Just out of curiosity, sure. you know. Well, let, let me let me back up for a second and bring it right back to that, right? Okay. So uh, if you think about it, cybersecurity really, if you go back seven, eight years ago, maybe even like six years ago, you know, I think every person listening to this podcast, at some point you get an email that says, hey, there's illicit charges on your credit card uh, or, or something like that, right? And, you know, it takes like six or eight weeks to fix it. You go, oh man, it becomes a nuisance, right? Now, as technology has fast forwarded and all these cool, amazing things have made our lives so seamless, right? In the past 20 years, technology has become so exponential, but we fundamentally don't understand the implications of what we're building upon, right? Because we're using new things all the time. And so we're building so quickly that we've, we've built, uh, let's just say holes, you know, in the infrastructure and people in different countries and people in different scenarios and states of life and different intentions you know, have come to exploit those things. So now we don't live in this world where cybersecurity is a nuisance. We live in a world where we have driverless cars coming out. Uh, we live in a world where we have Android tablets inside airplanes. We live in a world where we have nests in our house that can control the heat. We live in a world where Alexa is listening to this podcast right now. Um, all of these things that are amazing, amazing pieces of technology. but there are ways to now compromise those devices um, because of uh, whatever reason we can do so. And therefore, you know, it's great that we're putting nests in our house, but it's not great when a hacker is able to log in and make, make ghost sounds at night uh, and scare the shit out of your kids. Um, which that, if you look on, happens. which is a thing, it's completely a thing. Wow. Holy hell. Right. And so, uh, what happened was about four, about four years ago, um, uh, I was at an event uh, on cybersecurity and uh, I was listening to a speaker speak about it. And I was really impressed with the, with the person. But what I realized very quickly is, is that some of the this person about um, and have the technical understanding. And so what this has done is, is that uh, how I've become this, I guess, cybersecurity, I don't even like the word influencer around the world is uh, if you take my military service, right? The understanding of mil uh, military strategy, military theater, tactics, operational planning, stuff like that. Um, you apply the understanding I have around technical infrastructure, architecture, and stuff like that. Um, and then you take this ability to articulate it back in kind of a layman's term, uh, everyday Joe kind of way. Uh, it really moves me to a place of contribution where, you know, that's what I do now is uh, I build 
I build cybersecurity companies because I understand the infrastructure, I understand the ecosystem, I understand people, I understand humans, right? So, you know, the the to tie it back to your to your free uh, to to Candy Crush, right? And sorry for the folks at Candy Crush, I'm just gonna call <laughs> you guys out a little bit. Um, you know, all of these games and different things that we load. I mean, it's starting to change, but the we don't know what we don't know, right? As a user. And so, you know, you don't realize that when uh, you're playing Candy Crush and we all get these mobile apps and we flip through 30 pages of terms and conditions and we just go, yes, agree, I want to play, I want to play, I want to play, I want to play, because you're getting all the dopamine in your head from it. Right. Um, um, that they're selling your data, you know, to places that you probably don't know. And if those places then get compromised, you know, by someone else, they can then take advantage of your data. And then uh, exploit back to credit cards, banking, you know, all these different ways. And it's a complex, it's a complex challenge because we really don't know, the average user doesn't know where their information lives, right? And, uh, you know, on, online, outside of Googling yourself, but you just don't know what else is, is there. So there's a whole other podcast we can get into on dark web and stuff like that, but we just save that one for another day. Oh God. That's so interesting that you bring that up because I just thought, I was just thinking the other day, like how, Oh, Oh, there was a, another podcast about Bitcoin and they were talking about, Oh, well people think that people use Bitcoin for crime. That's exactly what I thought. Like I know that people trade it. I know it's a thing. I don't really understand it. I'll be the first to tell you, but the dark web, what, can you just t briefly touch on like what the hell is it? Who uses it? How do they not, or how do they, how do they get caught? How do they not get caught? Like, I don't understand what it is other than a place where you can do, buy some fucked up shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, uh, so appreciate the question for sure. So think about it like this, right? Okay. If you think about the, the way that we used to live, Right. I'll, I'll even joke around here a little bit. Right. We would, I'm doing this on purpose. Right. So it's like, we would have a desk and we'd take all these papers. Right. And we'd pile them up. Right. And that become, and then on a desk in the office, you have all these, desks, these piles of paper and someone goes, Hey, do you got that report or that presentation? And you go fumbling through and at the bottom of the page would be that report from like three weeks ago. Sure. Right. All we've done with the internet, is compile millions and millions and billions of pieces of paper on top of each other. That's, I mean, that's all, like, if you think about every website, it's just a piece of paper. Right. Right. It's sure. just built. And, and so, and it just keeps going, right. We're piling it up digitally, right. We, we never get rid of it. It just lives in a cloud somewhere. Right. But it still sits there. Right. And so if you think about how that's happened now, if you go into your basement and you go into a box and there's your taxes from 15 years ago and you dust them off. Right. So what happened over time is we, there was a basement built by the, on the internet about Phil's papers with just all the junk from the late, late eighties, early nineties, you know, old code, stuff like that. Okay. And then, people started to go down into the basement and be like, why don't we store some shit here that no one, that we don't want anyone to see. 
Mm. And then little by little, people who wanted to hide things that no one else wanted to see, it's like, so think about your house, right? As the, you know, current digital landscape, my Facebook, my Instagram, my, you know, that's your house, right? Now, in the basement, there's some people doing some shady, some shady stuff. Right. And so, you know, if I, and so the only way visitors in your house know where that exists is if you show them the door to the basement. Sure. Right. Which is what's called a tour. So, you know, uh, people started to then go, well, if I steal credit card information from a bank and I use it, um, the likelihood of me getting caught is very likely. So I'm not going to do that. But if I go in the basement, I bet I could find a guy or girl who's going to buy the credit card information mm. from me. And then so I'm going to go down to the basement and sell credit card information. And then it became, you know, about other stuff. Yes. Right. And, and so now, it, so, I mean, there, there's actually a, a, a platform uh, called secure mantis, uh, which I, I'll send over to you so you can share it with folks. And what it's meant to be a, a digital product for entrepreneurs where you put your email, you put your email, a little bit of other information into it. And then this platform searches the basement and pulls anything that you, that might exist on the, on the dark web about you and goes, Hey, this is the stuff that's there. Um, and then helps you remediate it to make sure it's not there. And then does dark web monitoring uh, to make sure that no, none of your information ever shows up in the basement ever again. Is it illegal to go into the dark web? So uh, it, it, it is not illegal. Uh, okay. it, it is the challenges is, is that uh, it's a very, at this point, our internet over the globe has gotten so large that, that um, you know, that the basement has gotten big as the house stays the same size, same, same size. Uh, the basement gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and there is more shelves and more tunnels and more ways. And it's very complex or it gets more and more complex. Gotcha. But I mean, the, the good news is, is that at this point, you know, because of some of the background and folks I work with, you know, you also have many governments operate on it. You know, we fundamentally understand how it works. Really? Uh, we, it's not this hidden thing anymore. Um, you know, you've got you've got good guys, good for lack of better words, good guys and bad guys that are constantly keeping track of the files and records that exist there. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I just never really had anybody break it down to me exactly. I knew I've, I've heard stories of what it is and what you can do on it, and I'm like, well, I wouldn't even want to log into that fucking thing to find out all that shit. I wouldn't even want to even think about doing that because I wouldn't want to be associated with anyway. So, um, all right. So how did you get into this other than, I guess, uh, through the Marines that you did some of this while you were a Marine? No, you know what? The funny thing is, no, when I, when I was a Marine, uh, I, I didn't do anything cyber like, I mean, I, I saw, I really just had an affinity towards it about four years ago. And, you know, I'm a, I'm an infinite researcher. Well, number one, I'm an infinite researcher. I, number, number two, and this is just me feeding my ego a little bit. I hate to be fucking wrong about something. Ooh, I get that. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> right. 
Yes. And so, and so, you know, when I was, when I came out of military, uh, you know, I was, but for the type of jobs I was getting, uh, I was probably about four or five years older than people in my roles at the time. Right. And so I always felt like I was trying to catch up. So at night, so people would say things in meetings and I'd write them down and I'd go home at night and Google it and read up on it. And the next day I'd seed it into my conversation and I'd be like, well, if you're going to talk about BPO, we should talk about BCP. And like, I, I just, I needed to be right. Right. Sure. Because, because of my own insecurities in the roles. Right. That's why I say, you know, I lied, cheated and stole my way into those roles because I was able to become an expert in some things because I just read the internet a lot at night. But, but with cybersecurity, it becomes, you need to understand the fundamentals of how these things actually work. And, and I understand the fundamentals, you know, extremely well. Um, and I taught, so I tie it from my military years of operations and tactical planning to, you know, I've built my own mobile apps from scratch. And so I know the way the code operates and works. Um, and then getting it really just getting into the weeds because the crazy thing about cybersecurity is um, if you look at accounting, real estate, um, plumbing, electrician, influencer, all these businesses, they're all established, right? There's like one, two, three, four ways of, of running this business. And, um, and there's a benchmark and in cybersecurity, you actually have countermeasures, right? So every time you a new cybersecurity product comes out, there's somebody trying to figure out a new way to do it. So imagine you're a real estate broker and somebody comes to you and goes, no, 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 we don't do real estate broker selling any way, that way anymore. We do it this way. And six months later, someone else comes to you and goes, no, 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 we don't sell real estate that way anymore. We do it this way. And that's been going on for like two years. So it's like this, 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 this moving beast that's around, going around the world globally, constantly. And what that creates is there's so much opportunity to get into it. Uh, the, the employment rate, the, the unemployment rate in cybersecurity right now, the last number I saw was somewhere between negative 8 and negative 10%. You're kidding. Wow. So that means that 100% of the cyber workforce is employed. Most of them have a, a secondary role somewhere or some kind of part-timey thing they're doing. And they're still missing 10% of the workforce. Dang. Uh, so where, do you, where would you go? I mean, do you go to, I guess you go to college to, to, to learn about cybersecurity? How would, what do you, what, where would you suggest if somebody listening was, hey, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. This sounds cool. Where would you, where would they go? How would they go right. about getting into right. it? I mean, the, the, I mean, there's tons of, there's definitely college courses. I mean, most of the, the interesting thing tying back to your comment about uh, the corporate uh, checking the boxes back in 2009, right? I would say the thing about cybersecurity, the most valuable skill that you can have is your ability to be able to, to think out of the box, right? Mm -hmm. Because the real thing about cybersecurity is you're trying to constantly outsmart someone. That makes right. sense. And so, so it, it, some of the, some of the most amazing cyber folks I've met have been, you know, just scrappy. Right. And so you could absolutely go to college for it. You can go most of the big schools have it, but I would say that there's, uh, 
go find a scrappy cyber guy or gal and go have coffee with them and talk to them for like two days yeah. and, and start there. Right. Um, then Model. I think there's, there's tons, tons of, uh, great online courses that you can do that will give you fundamentals very, very easily. And then the other piece of it is, is, is cybersecurity is a very, is a, a specific thing, but it's broadening out. And what's interesting is, is like, you know, it touches uh, project management, it touches compliance, it touches legal in your company, it touches all these responsibility functions. So there's, if you have skill sets in those areas, you can very easily step into a role and say, hey, I'd also like to start to uh, manage or learn or interact more with the, with the security team. And you can naturally go that route. Um, there's, there's also a bunch of certifications that you can do that, um, that you know, you pay money and within a couple of weeks you get certified or a couple of months you get certified. But people, you know, typically want like, they want some hands-on experience. They want somebody to be like, I'm scrappy and I did this, you know? And so the end, getting in at an entry level is probably the, is a good way to do it as well. Like just be like, Hey, I want to get an entry level. Sure. And like you said, you know, <clears throat> finding somebody that you see, you know, how well they're doing or finding that scrappy guy and, and modeling essentially modeling after what they do and somehow convincing them to kind of take you under their wing is probably the best way to learn the best way to get into it. Does that make sense? I, I think so. And the hard part is, it's like, I mean, it's very hard for people to conceptualize this <clears> thing of like this beast of cybersecurity as an industry, right, is moving forward right now. It's never standing still. Like right now, they're like, not to get too cryptic again. It always sounds so cryptic when I talk about this. From, from Tuesday from one Tuesday to another Tuesday, there is 6 million new types of malware and viruses developed every day. Damn. That's insane. Right? So by the following week, as a, an ecosystem, we need to have solutions for as many of those as possible because the next week there's another 6 million coming out. Now, now what happens is a lot of them end up becoming redundant a lot of them are easy to solve. A lot of them we figured out, but it is churning just constantly. And so like one of the most, one of the, the places where I seem to add a lot of value to the, the network of cybersecurity leaders that I interact with is I'm both in the house and outside, outside in the world constantly. So, you know, it's like, like if you found 57 Chevys, you know that 57 Chevy inside and outside, right? Right. Mechanic, a car shows up and the guy's got a te Tesla and he's like, I want you to fix my shit, bro. That guy's going to be like, I can't help you. Right, right. So do you think the biggest difference between you and, 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 and someone else in your industry is that my guess would be if you're in cybersecurity that you would probably not, most folks would not be as outgoing as you. They would not be as you know, interacting with other human beings as much. That would be my perception. Is that correct? I, I would say there's a, it, it's funny, there's a, there's a large percentage of the cybersecurity community that is extremely 
for lack of better description, introverted, you know, right. in thought process. And there's a shit ton of unapologetic cyber beards out there as well. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> that makes sense. That, that actually makes sense. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so tell me really quickly, um, and, and we'll, I, I'm cognizant of your time. I want you to talk about the Press Forward Project and what your goal is with that. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for uh, bringing that one up. So my, my, my next mission, right? So uh, I'm extremely grateful for the wins I've had, the losses I've had, right? My, my weaknesses have become my strengths, if I'm going to be honest. Um, and, and I look, I still engage and see, you know, lots of tons of veterans, um, you know, that uh, just are not, operating at their uh as ed Milet says as their at their best version of themselves right they've settled yeah right and um and so i i real quick i, I ran across a veteran a couple of years ago and uh he was begging for money you know in new york city and i said he said come on man help me out i'm a veteran and i was having having a bad day if i'm gonna be honest i turned around and i said you know what man what the fuck does that got to do? I'm sorry for the F-bomb. What does that got to do with anything? I'm a veteran. And I felt really bad. I ended up giving the guy money anyway. But that kind of planted a seed for me to be like, really the next mission for Neil, it, my, my next level of contribution back to this, this community that I've, that I've built and, 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 and am part of is you know, building a couple of businesses, doing amazing things, pivoting into becoming a transformational coach with the model that, you know, if I can do this, you can too. Right. And, right. and I mean, like, I mean, like if you look at the, I don't have the background of, I don't have this, the background of someone from a traditional standpoint that should have gotten to the point of success that I've gotten to but I didn't let that story limit me from getting to where I got to and moving forward. And so my focus now is to spend time being a example of, of discipline, an example of contribution and to uh, what the press forward project is, is, is it, there's, we've built a podcast that we've run. We've built uh, a white labeled coffee bean company out of it. Uh, we've bought, we've built swag out of it you know t-shirts and hats and stuff like that we've, we've even got art that's been produced that's on the press forward project website and it's just showing the simpleness that in today's day and age with all this digital stuff at our fingerprints if you've got an idea a little bit of effort and you're two or three hundred dollars you know start your llc and get going that you can do better than you know, sitting around doing nothing, especially if you're a veteran and you have all these amazing skills that, that are just buried and need to be dusted off. Right. Right. Sure. And you, you and I talked about this before, um, before we recorded. And it's like, if you don't have the two or $300, right. As somebody who has just finished my five day fast of no food at all, it's like, you don't eat for a week. There, there you're going to have your two or $300. Without a doubt. So I think from what, I, what I'm hearing and in, in connecting it back to uh, something you had said earlier, the mindset of 
if if we could if we could figure out a way to 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 keep the mindset when they're coming out with you're the number you're number one you're the one percent you're the baddest motherfucker on the planet if we could if you could figure out a way to keep that mindset and let him move into the world with the same mindset opposed to moving into the world and being like shit I've got no I've got no support now I think that's that would be huge, right? Because if you just bridge that one little gap, it would make all the difference in the world. Right, right. And I, I think it goes back to what you said. You said a very compelling thing, and I appreciate it, where it's like, you know, when you or I grew up, you know, our parents were telling us, don't talk to strangers, right? Yes. Um, and, you know, there's other stuff there that we're programmed on where, you know, the way the school system, you know, was built for years, right, is around you know, failure is a bad thing. Failure is unacceptable um, and all those type of things. And there are times when failure is completely, it is unacceptable. There's times in our lives where that is very, very true. However, it creates these moments where, you know, if you tie that back into emote the emotions of, of how we're programmed, where if we're, you know, programmed from our parents that we're not enough and that we're not loved, in a certain way, and you tell me that failure is bad, well, you've created this triangle triangle where, you know, I'm I'm 40 years old now, and I'm just making this up. I'm 40 years old now. I'm in a job. I'm married. I've got two kids. I've got this. I've got that. There's nothing else for me. I'm, I'm not going to even reach out of my comfort zone and do something amazing. Right. And And you and I both know this. Like, once you step out of that comfort zone, and once you know that, you can get a taste for what it's like to grow and it hurts to grow. Right. That's why when we, it, it hurts to grow, it'll always hurt. Yeah. Um, true. But, but that programming piece uh, that we need to unlock, you know, and make it to be like, Hey, you know what? Uh, yeah, uh, the piece we didn't talk about, we could talk about another time is like, I started a business. Uh, we got, we raised, well, we, we got a million dollars in sales in 30 days. Cash. Wow. And six months later, I put the business into the ground. Mm. Shit. And it, I did, at the time, I just, I didn't have the systems. I didn't have the processes. And I let my ego get in the way. And 1,000% uh, the reason why you and I are on this podcast and talking about all the cool shit that's going on now is because I nosedived that business into the ground. It's interesting because, <laughs> I, I, ironically, the... Uh, to to further that point, I drove my hormone replacement clinic into the ground and lost everything October of last year. And so to your point, you're exactly fucking right. You're bo on both ends. You're exactly right. Yep. Without a shadow of a doubt. All right, my man. Well, listen, um, Neil, thank you so much. You're definitely going to have to come back on because there's a whole bunch of other shit that I want you to talk about. <laughs> I think we just scratched the surface. I don't even think we really got as far into this as I would have liked. But um, listen, dude, thank you so much. I really, 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 really appreciate it. Are you going to date with Destiny? I, I, I am. I'm, I'm going back to see Tony in about 10 days. Uh, so going to date with Destiny and uh, – you know, going to burn some more boats when I do a massive shift when I come out of there as well. 
Yes, I can't wait. I can't wait to hear about it, dude. So thank you so much again, Neil. And uh, I'll let you know when this bad boy drops. And you have an awesome day, brother. It was my pleasure. Appreciate it. My pleasure for being on. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the Successful Life Podcast. We hope today's insights have ignited your passion and provided tools to shape your leadership journey. Remember, greatness is a journey, not a destination. Continue your pursuit by exploring more resources and insights over at coreybarrier.com. Until next time, keep leading, keep learning, and keep striving for excellence. Stay inspired and see you on the next episode.